Hey, functional friends, Bren Vermeyer here. Welcome to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health, including functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and basically everything in between. And of course, you can't spell functional without fun. So we like to have a good time on this show. Now, before we get started with introducing today's honored guest, I want to remind you all that the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not at all intended to be a replacement for supervised healthcare. So be sure that you're working proactively with your licensed healthcare provider to make sure that all of your healthcare and medical needs are being met effectively. Of course, if you're interested in our functional services at Metabolic Solutions, you can send us an email at info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com. And of course, visit our website, metabolicsolutionsllc.com. Also, if you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your family and friends, like it, follow us, subscribe, review. It really means the world because ultimately, I believe that the greatest miss involves to teach people how not to need it. And the first step towards change is awareness and then education and empowerment. So that is what my platform is dedicated to. That's what this podcast is dedicated to, is helping educate and empower self-healers around the world so that they can overcome their greatest health objectives. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review and don't forget to share with your loved ones. So without further ado, let's get started with today's guest. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome back, functional friends, to the Holistic Savage podcast. I couldn't be more honored to have you tuning in to my humble functional show. And so today, as always, I'm, I'm just so excited to introduce today's honored guest. I just feel so spoiled with the amazing uh, experts and educators uh, that I am connected to. And it's such a pleasure and, and privilege to get to call these people my friends, my colleagues, my inner circle, my functional tribe. And so without further ado, I want to introduce my good friend, my brother from another quantum mother, the one and only Ben Nazadi. So let me read his professional official bio and then I'll tell you a little bit about who Ben is to me. So Ben Nazadi is on a mission to help 1 billion people live a healthier lifestyle. Ben is the author of three best-selling books, The Perfect Health Booklet, The Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, and The Power of Sleep. Ben is the founder of KetoCamp, the go-to resource for intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet. He is known as the health detective because he investigates his function and educates, not medicate, to bring the body back to normal function. Now, certainly, I think there's a lot more to his, his bio and uh, to give him full credit because he's written other books. And this episode, we're talking about his new book, which is called Keto Flex. So certainly as you listen to the episode, you will hear all about Keto Flex, his new book, and why you might want to pick it up if you are interested in optimizing your ketogenic functional lifestyle. So with that official bio said, I want to tell you just a little bit about who Ben is to me as, as a friend, as a colleague, as a quantum brothers. So uh, Ben Ben and I met years ago. I actually mentored him through a functional certification program. 
And uh, he was definitely a, a very sharp student of mine, and uh, I was really impressed by his knowledge, his critical thinking, um, and perhaps even more impressed by his character, his core values, his heart, his soul. So Ben and I have, have stayed in touch over the years. We've become closer and closer, really good friends to this day. Uh, I wish he didn't live so far away. A lot of my closest friends are scattered across the United States, which, especially during these crazy isolated times, I don't get to see my friends nearly as much as I would like, but I could not have more love or respect for this guy. Uh, I just really admire what he's doing. And, you know, it's interesting because the ketogenic diet has become insanely popular. And it's kind of interesting because in the very beginning of my career, uh, the ketogenic diet was kind of the first thing that I really got caught on. You know, I, I was a keto guy for a while. Back in the day, this was when I was like 18, 19, 20 years old. I was really into uh, keto because some of my early um, early career peers that I looked up to and admired, uh, all bit, like the company I worked for, billion dollar health club corporation, all the really like cool kids, all the cool guys, all the really smart, well-respected, science-minded dudes of the company, they were all really big into keto. And this is this is before it really blew up and became what it is today. You know, back then it was like, if you were into keto, like you knew something other people didn't, uh, and you were, you were cool stuff, you were a cool cat. And so I got into keto for a while. Um, ultimately, I abandoned it. It just wasn't really the dietary pattern that, that fit my metabolic needs or psychological needs. And so um, I used to practice it, preach it, use it with clients. And, and you know, since I've broadened my scope and, and I don't really, you know, focus or practice or preach keto, and certainly I have my ideologies about keto, uh, which we discuss, I discuss with Ben in this podcast episode. So no, I don't think keto uh, or a keto, a strict ketogenic diet is necessarily for everyone. Although I do believe that metabolic flexibility and the metabolic capacity to dip in and out of a ketogenic state, that is for everybody. The human species is evolved and adapted to be able to metabolically flux in and out of a ketogenic state. If you have good metabolic health, if you have good metabolic flexibility, as we like to call it, you should be able to tap in and out of keto very uh, fluently and seamlessly. And if you can't, chances are you need to uh, work on your keto flex a little bit. So this kind of brings me to the point of, I really admire and respect what Ben Azadi is doing. Uh, because no, I don't necessarily think everybody needs to do a strict keto diet. However, I think there is a lot to be gained from learning how to adopt and integrate functional keto principles into your daily functional holistic lifestyle and health building routine. And when it comes to how to learn that, Ben Azadi is, is the master at this. I really I, I'm well connected, I'm friends, you know, and, and, and kind of rub elbows with the, the best people, best minds in this entire industry. But when it comes to the functional um, utilization of ketogenic principles, Ben Azadi is the man because he doesn't just focus on ketosis and ketogenic living in isolation. He does a really, really good job 
of incorporating it into functional medicine principles and paradigms and just uh, the more fundamental holistic principles that every human needs to master. So the way that he weaves ketogenic uh, dieting and intermittent fasting into a well-rounded, intelligent, holistic health building program is really second to none. So he puts a very functional and holistic spin on a ketogenic and intermittent fasting uh, program. And so I just, I think he's the best. Um, he and I always have such great conversations. We're always in agreement on anything we're, we're talking about. We have very similar ideologies and it's really cool because if you were to simply look at his internet platform and look at mine, at a first glance, you would think we are very different and have very different sort of ideologies or, or whatnot. We have a very different focal point and whatnot. But that's just, those are just the details where if you look at the overarching principles, he and I, our platforms and our professions and the way we look at things and think about things, we are like 99% in alignment on everything. It's just then what we choose to focus on and educate, that's, that's where the differences really lie. So uh, I think you all will really, really enjoy this conversation. I had so much fun uh, having this conversation with, with Ben, and so I'm very excited to share this. So we start out talking all about keto, we're talking about his new book and what it entails, and uh, the conversation took a very fluid, organic, and, and kind of fun pivot into why does this really matter though, you know? Because we could talk about this diet or that diet or this topic or that topic. We could get really reductionistic and talk about a million different, you know, cool topics. But I love how we very organically segued into why does any of this matter? And what are some, you know, we got into a little, little bit more philosophical, esoteric, um, and, you know, kind of getting into a little bit of political realm to some degree of why does this really matter and, and what's the collective most need at, at this juncture uh, in, in the timeline that is humankind. So I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Now, if you stand for freedom, if you stand for evidence-based information, if you stand for science, you stand for informed consents and educated and empowered decision-making, this episode is for you. If you uh, have a fragile ego and you're excessively attached to your own self-interested or, you know, <laughs> ignorant beliefs or you get offended easily or you don't stand for freedom, you don't stand for science, you don't stand for, you know, some of the certain principles that our, our great nation was, was founded upon, um, this episode might not be for you and, and trolls are not welcome. Uh, we, are, we are a community of free thinkers that we believe in these ideologies. So a little bit of disclaimer there uh, before you listen to the episode, but if, if you uh, follow me, you're picking up what I put and putting down and, and you, you jive with that, you're in the right place. Enjoy this episode. I know you're going to love it.
to the Holistic Savage Podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health and functional medicine, holistic health, and everything, everything in between. So today, I am very flattered and honored to have my good friend, my brother from another, you know, universe that does a lot of ketosis, uh, Ben Azadi, the keto man, the author of KetoFlex, which we're going to be talking about today. But brother Ben, what's up, my friend? How are you? Brendan, good to see you. I'm so grateful to be back on your awesome, amazing platform. Hey, man, it's it's always a pleasure. We, you know, so this is uh, this is your second time on the show. You were in season two, I think, and now we're rolling in season three, and you know, getting more and more traction. People are starting like, oh, you know, this this eccentric savage dude actually has some cool friends, and I don't know if I care about him, but his friends are cool. So, um, man, what's what's new in your world? Let's, I mean, let's just get into it. You you just released a, a new book, and this is not your first book either, is it? Yeah, this is my fourth book, but I believe it's my premier book, the biggest book to date. It has the most scientific uh, research studies in there. So yeah, my fourth book, and I, I think it's my best one yet. Well, I can't wait to I can't wait to read it, and we'll definitely have to get like a functional friend meetup thing going, and uh-huh. get everybody together so we can change the world. But um, I'd love to, you know, for those that are tuning into my podcast for the first time, maybe didn't didn't see your episode in the past. Um, I'd love to have you kind of revamp and, and refresh us a little bit on your story of like why this work means so much to you. You know, I know your father and all that, and I don't want to steal the words out of your mouth. So I'd love love for you to tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm somebody who followed a standard American diet growing up here in Miami Beach, Florida. Parents kind of left me to my own devices So I hung out with the wrong crowd. I did bad things like drugs. I had addiction to video games and sugar and marijuana. And it really led me down to an unhealthy path. And I felt it not just physically looking at me and hurting all the time physically, but also mentally. I had toxic thoughts. I had depressive uh, thoughts of depression. I had suicidal thoughts. And this transferred into my adulthood where I found myself uh, at the age of 24 years old. And I know we have very similar stories. Uh, I found myself at the age of 24 years old just wanting to give up on life. I weighed 250 pounds, physically obese, mentally obese, crying every single day, going through a bad breakup. Never really focused on health and nutrition and exercise. Never built my my mental six-pack and never worked on that so i wanted to just give up on life it seemed like the easiest thing for me to do but thankfully i I didn't go through with it because i kept thinking about my mom every time i pursued it and what she would have to deal with so it forced me to figure things out and the first step that i took was actually picking up a book which led to a second book and a third book and i started to just read these books from incredible authors like bob proctor and earl nightingale and jim Rohn, and and etc so many more And the the most important thing that it did for me is it helped me take ownership and responsibility. And that word responsibility, Brendan, as you as you know, it's it goes right back past people's heads because a lot of people are putting their they're they're not taking ownership, they're not taking responsibility. And, And that word responsibility is your ability to respond to life. You know, up until that point, my ability to respond to life was poor. I was blaming everybody. I was the victim. I was, it's my enabling family members. It's my genetics. It is the foods in the household. It's it's enabling me to eat these foods. But in reality, I was responsible for everything in my life and all the results. 
And in that second that I took ownership, it helped me become the victor of my destiny, no longer the victim of my history. So I started to exercise, started to eat better, and I went through this entire transformation of 80 pounds of fat loss, 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, carved out a physical six-pack, but also that mental six-pack. And that's what got me started in the space, became a personal trainer, opened up a CrossFit gym, but it wasn't until like you referenced, my dad ended up getting sick in 2013. He got he he had type 2 diabetes, which we know it's a lifestyle disease, but it was treated with medication. There's a huge, huge mismatch there. And he suffered a stroke, a massive stroke, which left him paralyzed. And uh, he lost the ability to speak. And he was pretty much on his deathbed for nine months. And it was a very difficult time in my life. When he ended up passing away in August of 2014, I had a lot of questions. You know, why? Did I have to suffer? Why did my dad have to suffer? I followed pretty much most of what the his doctors recommended. The conventional wisdom was to manage his medication, make sure he's eating XYZ foods, and he just got worse. So I discovered, I, I came to the conclusion and I got the answers, and the answers were this. My dad had a lifestyle disease and he was treated with medication. They never really wanted to get to the cause, the reason why he had diabetes. They just wanted to manage his symptoms with the medication or eventually maybe a surgery. And nobody really dies from diabetes and type 2 diabetes. It's very rare for somebody to die from type 2 diabetes. They die from the degeneration of that disease, the heart disease, the kidney failures, the uh, infections that develop. And that's exactly what happened to my dad. So I know that the same information that I now understand and share with the world, the same information that you share, Brendan, that would have saved my dad's life. He would be here today. I would be, you know, sharing my life with him. But but I also know I had to go through that. I had I had I was given that mountain so I could show the world that the mountain can be moved. And that's the message that we teach here at Keto Camp that you teach on your platform to empower people to help them understand, hey, you know what? You were built and you were created to thrive, not to just survive. Cancer is not normal. Disease is not normal. Obesity is not normal. And those are not even the problem. They are a result of the problem. Cancer is the answer. It's the answer to something that's going wrong with your lifestyle. And diabetes is a symptom. Obesity is a symptom. Once you figure out the cause, identify the interference, work on removing the interference, then the body heals. And that's what I teach a lot in my book, Keto Flex. And I talk about ancient healing strategies like ketosis and fasting to help identify that interference and then apply it. So that's the mission we're on to get the word out to the world. Absolutely, man. You know, I think I just got goosebumps like probably at least two and a half times um, <laughs> as I was listening to that. Cause you know, and that's why we're so tight is there are so many parallels to our journey. And what's kind of cool. I was thinking about this is, you know, if somebody stumbled across your platform or mine at, at like a quick look, they look extremely different, the branding and the messaging or whatever. But in reality, it's like 99% identical. And it kind of makes me think about, you know, the human genome, you know, humans are 98% genetically identical to, to apes. Uh, but that 2% changes which side of the glass you're on at the zoo or from human to human, we're like, 99.5% genetically identical, but that, you know, 0.5%, uh, you know, dramatically different people, different natures, so on and so forth. And so, you know, that's something I think is um, important with kind of this uh, growing awakening, this, this growing self-healing movement, this sort of, you know, breaking out of the conventional paradigm and whatnot. 
because people want answers and they can feel deep, deep, even though we are as a collective horribly disconnected from our innate intuition as a species, as a collective, we, we all, I do believe that the collective is really feeling this rumbling deep down in the tectonic plates of their soul. Like something doesn't quite feel right here. Right. And it's almost like you have to, it's such a long conversation. You have to like unwind this long narrative of looking at the technology of a hundred years ago and in the rise of big pharma and the rise of big media and see how the system has really become what it is today. And I don't think we ever meant for healthcare or conventional medicine or pharmaceuticals to become what it is today. But now we are in this kind of crisis point, whereas you are saying, you know, the, the masses, the collective, they are, you know, getting ill and, and dying from chronic diseases that are environmental and lifestyle induced. And yet our health healthcare system exclusively relies on synthetic pharmaceuticals and, and surgical intervention for what is an environmental and lifestyle induced, you know, pandemic and, and crisis. So as, as you really, um, pointing out, it's, uh, yeah, we have to get people to wake up and educate and empower themselves. And that's obviously what the, the platform is all about. That's what it's about, waking them up. You know, once you understand how amazing the body is, it's really, it's empowering. You know, the body is capable of healing. We just have to do our part and identify the interference, work on removing it, and then the body heals. We have that innate intelligence, which is that inner physician, that inner healer that we have access to. And there's no pill, no surgery, no supplement, no shot that could replace what we have within us. We just have to harness that. And that's what we teach, Brendan. So you're right. The branding and some of the topics are a little bit different on both of our platforms, but it all goes back to the amazing innate intelligence. We're both working on removing that interference and the body begins to heal. Absolutely. You know, I, I always joke that I think Hippocrates is like looking down on us from heaven, like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you didn't listen to anything I had to say. Like when I said nature is, you know, the, the best medicine and the art of medicine is letting nature do the work while you entertain the patient and, you know, death begins in the cold. You know, Hippocrates and, and Voltaire and all these people have all these amazing ancient wisdom quotes. And it's just like, so not what we're doing anymore. And instead it's like, no, uh, we, the, the causes of this condition are not fully understood. There's nothing you can do, like just take this drug to manage it. And that's, yeah. that's so invalidating. That's so disempowering. Right. And exactly. because of that, it's, it's, it's gaslighting on a collective level, ultimately. Um, and then of course the, the way that they kind of justify it of like, oh, but if we make this drug and how many people that's going to save and whatnot. And I think something that's important to point out before we get, get too lost in the weeds, um, because as I've been, you know, speaking out more and more through my platform, you know, the, the trolls come, come hunting, right? Mm -hmm. And something that I don't think people get is there's not, it's not like there's conventional medical science and then holistic pseudo science it's just science there's just science there's one body of science one body of literature um and it's just all about how you apply that right and so it's like for example with you know um let's use a relevant example with with ketones and we can get into this more where like it is very well established in the medical literature that 
uh, ketone bodies are very neuroprotective, right? And so there's all this kind of interest in, you know, how can we use ketosis or, you know, exogenous ketones or whatever as a potential pharmaceutical target, you know, to decrease neuroinflammation or halt neurodegeneration or even vitamin D receptors. And so the thing is, I think people need to understand <clears throat> that like pharmaceutical research it's actually really impressive, you know, because they're trying to get down to understanding every little molecular mechanism and interaction to figure out how can we create a pill that just sort of, beep, you know, hacks that. Um, but the thing is, if you look at that same science and think, well, wait a second, instead of like using a synthetic pill that has side effects and I have to be on for the rest of my life, how can I manipulate those same mechanisms functionally, holistically through my environment lifestyle. Um, and that's, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. They're brilliant, but they're using their brilliance for unfortunately symptoms and not the cause. Not they're looking at the effect. You know, Einstein said intellectuals solve problems, geniuses prevent them. So the mm -hmm. best plan of action is to be proactive, not reactive. And even if you are, are to the point where your bucket is full and you have a lot going on right now, you could still heal. You just got to identify the cause. We're not saying here to get off your medication right now. We're not poo-pooing uh, doctors out there. I mean, there's a time and place for that, but the goal is to get to the cause, work with your practitioner, and eventually let your body do the healing because it is capable of healing. Yeah. Harnessing that, that innate capacity, that Einstein quote was gold. And you know, you have so many great, great quotes. You know, you mentioned the the victim Victor thing, and one of my buddies, he's a local friend, Paul. He was he was on the show a while back. He he has that line of you know, victim or Victor, it's it's your choice, right? And and that's just so you know, simple and profound and powerful. Of yeah, I mean, um, it is your choice, and obviously that's where it gets where it gets messy and that becomes a totally different discussion is, you know, socioeconomic status and accessibility and, you know, education and then the media and how that's kind of gaslighting and manipulating. So it does get messy, but that's where it's just like, well, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it is your choice of what media you consume. You can unplug from that toxic matrix and, you know, look within and what, what makes sense? What feels right? Do you, your one of my favorite quotes of all time that you said, you know, humans are uh, the only species smart enough to make their own food, but dumb enough to eat it. How true is that, dude? Uh, it's so gold. It's one of those, oh man, like that's just such a, yeah. <laughs> that's good, man. So let's talk about your book a little bit because, um, you know, you have your keto camp program for people that uh, are wanting to do keto the right way. And of course, keto, holy cow, it's it's become such a huge thing. And there is a, uh, a right way and a not so good way. But tell me about this book. And, you know, it's your fourth one, you know, and it, it's the apex, right? It's the best one yet. So I'd love to, to get a little teaser on what makes this book kind of the ultimatum of, of your literature so far. Yeah, thank you, Brendan. I didn't want to write another keto book. There's so many out there uh, that you could just pick and choose. I view keto very differently, as you know, than a lot of the way that people teach it. So when we look at ketosis, like my shirt says ketosis, keto is not a diet. Technically, it's a metabolic process. And to your point, there's tremendous research from hundreds of years ago, but also it's been around since humans have existed. 
ketones have been around. Ketosis has been around. All of our ancestors did keto. They were forced into ketosis by their environment. But at that same uh, fact here, they didn't stay in ketosis. When our ancestors had the opportunity to eat fruit, to eat tubers, to have honey, whatever it was, they didn't look back at their tribe and say, we don't eat that, bro, we're keto, right? No, they would eat that. They would do whatever they can do based off their environment. So they flexed out of it. And that's every single culture. And it's not just keto. There's not one culture in the history of this world that's stuck with the same diet long-term. It's not until the last 50 years or so that people are having this problem, which creates monocultures in the gut. It creates a whole host of problems. And specifically in the book, I outlined four reasons why we don't want to be in ketosis long-term. And we could talk about that later if you want. So I spent the last two plus years writing this book. I wanted it to help give the research on keto, but also the history of keto, the history of fasting. And then I put my four pillar framework that I teach my Keto Camp Academy students, I put it into the book and I gave the guidelines for it. So we go through the first pillar, which is the adapt pillar, getting your body to become fat adapted, not the same as keto adapted, but fat adaptation could take place in about 14 to 21 days, meaning we're teaching your cells to now burn fat instead of glucose, which we know is tremendous. It's that metabolic flexibility that you talk about all the time. When the cells are burning fat, it's a cleaner source of fuel. When they're burning sugar, glucose, it's a toxic fuel source. When I was obese, I was a sugar burner. And it's not fun to live life as a sugar burner because you're gonna be inflamed, you're gonna be hungry, so you gotta eat every two to three hours, and then if you don't eat, you're hangry, and you're a jerk to be around. Nobody wants to be around you, and you're gonna be irritable, and you're not gonna be able to focus, that's because you're gonna need a hit of glucose every two to three hours just to get that short burst of energy. And you might feel good at that short time, but what you're doing is aging yourself faster because your cells are now producing more toxins because cells produce energy and toxins the same way if I burned firewood here and it created smoke and toxins. Cells do the same thing through the mitochondria and ATP. But when cells are burning glucose, it's creating a lot of toxins. I compare that to a truck speeding through the streets here with all the smoke being blasted out of the exhaust pipe, that truck is not healthy for the surrounding environment. Well, when your cells are stuck as a sugar burner, not healthy for your cellular environment. So what we wanna do, the first pillar, is adapt to becoming fat adapted. <clears throat> so when your cells are now burning fat and you're producing ketones, that's like a Tesla, cleaner source of energy for the environment, cleaner source of energy for your cellular environment. So the book outlines that in 14 to 21 days, you'll get into ketosis. Note nothing like the keto flu is required if you do it the right way. And then it moves into the second pillar, which is called fast. There we introduce intermittent fasting strategies. We don't do it in the beginning because fasting too soon without being fat adapted could be difficult. Just like you wouldn't go do a CrossFit workout without training, without if you were a couch potato for 10 years, you wouldn't just do a CrossFit workout. Well, if you're a sugar burner, you wouldn't just go right into fasting. So first we do some work, build up that metabolism, and then we move on to the fast uh, pillar. And then after that, we graduate into the phase pillar. The phase pillar is phasing out all carbohydrates and phasing out all anti-nutrients and doing actually carnivore for 30 days. And I have four different levels that I teach it and I share my story of how carnivore really helped me out with my autoimmune Raynaud's. And then once you complete that, we move into the flex pillar. And the flex pillar teaches different strategies to now start flexing in and out of ketosis. By that point, you're keto adapted and you have achieved metabolic flexibility. And then you have earned that badge to flex in and out of ketosis. And that might be 
maybe two days out of the week for you, three days out of the week for you, or one day, depending on where you are in your journey. But the goal is to teach your cells to burn fat as the primary fuel source, but not the only fuel source. So the book outlines that. And then, Brendan, there's also a chapter, chapter 12, on how to do keto and fasting for women. So it's specific to women who have a monthly cycle and then also postmenopausal women. Uh, so it deep dives into all of that. Amazing. You know, Hey, functional friends. Thank you so much for listening to our show. I hope you get so much out of it. And this information and education really empowers and educates you to be your own self healer, to be your own health advocate and help you reach the level of health and life that you truly deserve. So if you are a self healer, keep in mind that we have a private Facebook group that is solely dedicated to supporting self healers on their self healing journeys. So on Facebook, you can search for the holistic savage tribe and you can apply to join our private Facebook group. We do monthly Facebook lives. We support it as a group community. It's a safe space for everybody that is wanting to improve their health. We'd love to welcome you into the community. So again, if you get on Facebook, you can find us by searching the Holistic Savage Tribe. Now, if you are a functional health professional wanting to learn and interact with a community of like-minded professionals, you can join our private Facebook community for functional health professionals. That is Metabolic Solutions Institute. You do have to be a certified health professional of some kind, and we welcome many credentials, personal trainers and nutritionists and NTPs and FDNs and naturopathic doctors, medical doctors, but you do have to have some sort of health professional credential but we would love to welcome you into the group. It's an amazing tribe of very smart, intelligent, loving, compassionate, functional providers that are always trying to up-level their skill set to help better serve their clients and patients. And we would love to see you there. So if you're on Facebook, search Metabolic Solutions Institute and you can apply to join our community. I can't wait to see you all in there. Hey, functional friends, I hope you are loving this amazing episode and conversation so far. I just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that I could not be more excited about, which is that enrollment for my functional mentorship program is now open. If you are a functional health professional or a health professional wanting to become more functional, I think you're going to want to listen up for just a hot second. So I have had the privilege and pleasure of getting to mentor countless hundreds of functional health coaches, functional medicine practitioners, and everything in between. And so what I did, because I'm so passionate about educating that next generation of superior Navy SEAL functional providers, that I created the Ultimate Functional Mentorship Program. It's a 12-month, one-year functional mentorship that includes 55 plus hours of pre-recorded coursework on everything from advanced functional lab analysis, protocol construction, all of the nitty gritty science and physiology and biochemistry needed to be able to develop superior clinical critical thinking skills, to be able to read between the lines of many different types of lab testing data, to correlate that back to the clinical presentation of your client or patient, to be able to use applied coaching skills and meet your clients or patients where they are at psychoemotionally in order to actually induce long-lasting, sustainable behavior modification that leads to a lifetime of thriving, of metabolic health, of optimal wellness and longevity. So the program not only includes 55 plus hours of pre-recorded coursework that you get lifetime access to, but we also do three live trainings every single, every single month. One of those is advanced practitioner education on subjects related to business development and marketing as one category. 
has protocol construction and practitioner skills with labs and protocol development as a second category. And the third category is applied coaching skills. On top of that, we also do one live monthly case study where we all put our heads together to look at a real life case. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. The more cases you get under your belt, repetition, repetition, that's where we really develop our real life applicable skills. And the third bucket of education is applied coaching skills. So all about the psychology of how do we help our clients and patients overcome their limiting self-beliefs and actually create the behavior modifications needed to overcome their greatest health struggles. A lot of this is related to motivational interviewing and how to structure regular coaching check-ins to hold them accountable through the entire healing journey. Of course, there's all sorts of bells and whistles, an exclusive private Facebook group, discounts on other advanced workshops and courses that we offer, discounts on one-on-one -on -one clinical advising with me. So it's an amazing program. I would love to have you learn more by emailing info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com. And of course, we can provide extra information on that program. Enrollment is now open and spots are limited. They will go fast. But the program starts July 1st and goes for an entire year. So don't delay. Make sure you reach out to us. Again, email info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com and we can provide direct information directly to your inbox. Of course, the information can be found through our website that is metabolicsolutionsllc.com. If you click on the Functional Health Professional tab, you will find that we have our advanced courses our functional mentorship and professional services. So it's not hard to find, just takes a little typing and clicking, no big deal. Thank you for your time and let's get back to the episode. <clears throat> I really do, I consider you, you know, just the, the functional keto guru because obviously with how popular keto's gotten, there, there's a ton of people talking about keto and whatnot, but literally like you are in, you know, I'm decently well connected, but like, you're literally the only guy that I see that's really putting it all together. It's like a very like functional medicine, holistic health with a focus on keto and, and metabolic flexibility, because, you know, you're even talking about microbiome monocultures, right? And, and that's kind of a big thing is um, a lot of times when people are asking me like what specialized diet, because of course our, our culture is so instant gratification, uh, seeking, right. Um, and that's a whole other topic in itself, but yeah. you know, when people are asking like, Oh, well, should I do paleo or keto or carnivore or vegan or plant-based, which I don't even know what the difference between those are, you know, on all these things. And, and well, what about oxalates and salicylates and lectins and phytates? And I'm just like, Oh my God, like maybe just start with eating real food and listening uh -huh. to your appetite and getting a little bit more in tune with your body and, you know, so on and so forth. So I love the sound of this book with the way that it maps it out, because certainly, you know, I, I think once the initial badge has been earned, you know, that gives you the flexibility and the kind of advanced knowledge and skill set while being more in tune to then like if you want to try some of these more specialty diets and um, but it's such a beautiful intuitive process, right? Because uh, nobody, nobody's ever going to be able to say like, this is exactly how you should eat. You, you have to find it for yourself, which means you have to put in the work and the consistency and, and listen over time. And of course, that's where, um, you know, we always want this just clean cut, straightforward answer. And, and there isn't that like there are going to be, you know, seasons of life or quite literally like circadian biology seasons where, you know, food availability and, and there's kind of summer metabolism, winter metabolism and what fuel sources is going to be best. But 
like I remember back in the early days of my career, good old Mark Sisson, Mark's Daily Apple. You remember that? Man, of like course. what a, you know, he was, he was a pioneer in a lot of ways. And, and I remember I was reading all of his blogs on fat adaptation. And that was back when I was working for um, Lifetime Fitness. And so I did um, metabolic testing on people where measure their, their VO2 uh, while running on treadmill to calculate respiratory quotient, all that, but also resting. And so that, that's how I would always explain it is like, you know, they're sitting in a chair, they're breathing in the mask, we're measuring their O2 CO2 exchange rate to calculate that respiratory quotient in a 0.7, theoretically, technically represented like pure fat burning, whereas like a 1.0 represents like pure sugar burning. Mm -hmm. And so of course, then if we put you on a treadmill, and you know, you're going anaerobic, and we find your anaerobic threshold, and you know, what heart rate were you at when you went fully anaerobic and all of that is very, very cool exercise physiology. But that was one of my most powerful like coaching tools as a trainer and nutrition coach was teaching them like, look at this at rest, sitting in a damn chair, you're at a 0.95. Like you're just burning through glycogen. And you know, how much liver does the glycogen hold like 200 grams or something? Yeah. You know, and so it's like, all right, yeah, as you're saying, you're gonna have to you know, might as well just hook up an IV to your arm. Um, and, and that's where like nutritional science doesn't make sense until you put it more in like a historical perspective, like you're doing where, when you look at just where the bipedal hominid species came from and how we evolved like keto and, you know, yeah, like so you, sometimes you get the honey, sometimes you get the tuber food, sometimes you're eating ants off a log, but ketosis is what allowed us to be here today. Right. That's absolutely true. Exactly. We wouldn't exist if we didn't have this wonderful metabolic switch to produce ketones. We would all just uh, become extinct. And, uh, you know, insulin is part of that process, right? Insulin is a lot of people call insulin the bad guy and, and it is responsible for a lot of metabolic damage when you spike insulin too much. But on the same token, chronically low levels of insulin, like long-term ketosis and too much fasting is also a problem. It's going to negate some of these hormonal conversions, which I talk about in the book. One of them is thyroid, right? T4, inactive thyroid needs to be converted to T3. Insulin helps make that conversion. So too much keto could cause a dysfunction in that conversion. Progesterone, estrogen, these are all, insulin helps build these hormones up, or I should say helps to make these hormonal conversions. So to your point, yes, we wouldn't exist if we didn't have this process of insulin, if we didn't have this process of ketosis. And what we want to do is just go with our physiology. We're hardwired this way. We haven't evolved out of it. But when you're eating every two to three hours and you're eating high carbohydrates, high sugar foods, it, it's the complete opposite of how we are designed to thrive. And it's going to age you faster. You're going to not, you're, it's not going to be a fun way to live. I've been there where I had to snack every two to three hours and it was just miserable. So like you said, you might as well just get an IV drip of like glucose going into your system. Otherwise it's not going to be fun. So ketosis is that tool to help your body achieve metabolic flexibility, but we don't stay in ketosis and the book talks about that. Awesome. You know, and I'd love to, because uh, <laughs> you know me, I, I enjoy it. Um, the, the clean burning energy source, you know, glucose versus fatty acids and, and ketones. Now, are you, um, are you referencing like, um, like ROS production and advanced glycation end products or, or I'd love to hear you to speak to that of like, what, why is, uh, why are ketones a, a cleaner burning energy source as opposed to uh, glucose? 
Well, glucose is sticky. And uh, if you combine eating carbs with fat and protein, you get more of this reactive oxygen, oxygen species, all of this glycation end products. So that's number one. It, we know that it's sticky. And the body has this tightly controlled mechanism for glucose, uh, sugar in the bloodstream. The body only wants about one to two teaspoons of sugar in the entire bloodstream at a time. That's considered an optimal state. You consume a couple pieces of whole wheat bread, all of a sudden you have this spike in glucose. I mean, William Davis, Dr. William Davis showed that two slices of whole wheat bread spikes your glucose as much as a 12 ounce can of soda or a Snickers bar. So then the body has to deal with that. So what does it do? It it says, yo, yo, pancreas. It calls the the beta cells in the pancreas to produce insulin. Insulin troops come, take that excess glucose and deliver it to the cells. You do this from time to time, that's totally fine. But if you do this over and over and over, what are you doing? You're burning out the pancreatic, the beta cells in the pancreas. So it's gonna develop, you're gonna develop insulin resistance, but then it's also creating more inflammation around the membrane, which blunts those insulin receptor sites, but all receptor sites. So then other hormones have a difficult, a more challenging time getting into the cells. So then you have an inflamed membrane and life begins and ends on the cell membrane. It was once thought, Brendan, that the intelligence of our cells was actually in the DNA, when in reality, it's actually the membrane. The membrane, and Dr. Bruce Lipton has proven this with his research, the membrane is what communicates with the DNA. And the membrane is made up of protein, saturated fat, and cholesterol, not sugar, not carbohydrates. So it loves quality fat. When you're eating high sugar foods, or even just a high carbohydrate diet, it could be clean carbs, and you're spiking glucose throughout the day, it'll inflame that membrane. So then when the cells are producing energy, the bad stuff can't get out, these toxins that are produced because the membrane is inflamed. So bad stuff can't get out, good stuff can't get in, and then there's dysfunction. That is where the symptom starts to occur. It could be weight gain, it could be fatigue, it could be autoimmune disease. But when you're eating healthy fats, when you're practicing intermittent fasting, when you're doing keto flexing, that is a healthier, cleaner source of fuel. So there's some studies out there that looked at cells when the cells are burning glucose versus cells that are using fatty acids and producing ketones. And when you look at the list of byproducts that are produced after burning glucose, it's a longer list versus ketones. It's a shorter list. So there's less toxins being produced and it makes sense because that membrane is made up of fat. The brain is mostly fat. And another fact is that I believe burning fat is our, our primal birthright. And the reason I say that, yes, our ancestors burned fat. And also babies that are born into this world and breastfed are actually in and out of ketosis. There are several studies that show that because breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol. Yes, there's some sugar in there. And I hear people tell me all the time that there's no way there's sugar in there, but babies are so efficient at burning that glucose, they go in and out of ketosis and it helps the brain develop. So those are several reasons why we want to tap in and out of ketosis and teach our body to burn fat. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as, as you uh, know, I, I tend to focus a lot around, you know, mental health and neuroinflammation and, and all that. And like, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Um, it's, it's truly mind blowing to me. So how, how do I, how do I begin with this? Cause uh, <laughs> you know, ultimately what the science, the literature demonstrates is that mental illness is a pro-inflammatory condition, period. 
Um, I get trolled a lot when I say that, and it just shows the ignorance of people, to be honest, where first off, like that's part of how psychiatric drugs work is they boost neuroplasticity and they decrease neuroinflammation and excitotoxicity. That's very well established. They're actually working on, <laughs> you'll like this, Ben. So right now, um, there's there's uh, monoclonal antibody drugs in phase two clinical trials. So basically like designer antibodies. How cool is that, right? It's super cool. Wow. Um, but these, these designer antibodies that like right now, the big thing with irritable bowel disease are, are a class of drugs, the, the TNF alpha inhibitors, you know, designer antibodies that neutralize TNF alpha, very pro-inflammatory cytokine. You know, whereas now they're looking at um, interleukin-6 designer antibody, you know, interleukin-6 blocking drugs as basically a new class of antidepressants for treatment-resistant depression, right? So you've already, you've already taken your, your Zoloft, your SSRI, your SNRI, which, you know, just blocks serotonin or norepinephrine reuptake. And that can have an anti-neuroinflammatory effect and a neuroplasticity boosting effect, neuroprotective effect. But if that's not enough or it's not working well, you know, it's like, well, let's block the inflammatory cytokines that then cause the disruption in your neurotransmitters. So anyways, all of this is to set the stage where, you know, when I'm teaching, you know, about mental health, um, you know, obviously the gut brain axis is a big one and, you know, mold and self infections, all that. But the freaking like hyperglycemia, glucose dysregulation, um, you know, metabolic inflexibility and, and ketosis and all this, it gets grossly overlooked. And, and I would go as far like when I'm rattling off the, the top metabolic drivers of mental illness and neuroinflammation, um, you know, like PTSD or unresolved trauma, it's, uh, one genetic susceptibility. But like hyperglycemia and, and hypoglycemia and insulin resistance are, are some of the, the top ones. Because when you look at, what is it, like 43% of Americans are like type 1 or type 2 diabetic or something like that, you know, 70% uh, overweight or, or obese, 88% metabolically ill. Yeah. Like hyperglycemia and, and insulin resistance by itself is such a potent driver of brain inflammation that drives any kind of mental illness, whether it's OCD or depression, it doesn't, you know, that's more genetic as far as which it is, but it's inflammation that's driving it. And, you know, this, this constantly burning glucose that develops the insulin resistance and the glucose dysregulation and the advanced glycation end products, this it's, you know, it's very pro-inflammatory for the periphery, but it's also very pro-inflammatory for the brain. So, you know, my long-winded point being just like, sometimes I think with, you know, mental illness and mental health clients or patients or whatever, I think one of the best things to start with is like, yo, let's get the metabolic flexibility, shift you out of being a sugar burner to fat adapted, um, you know, work on some fasting, maybe kind of reset the gut microbiome with like carnivore and whatnot. So my point being everything that you're talking about um, not just from like a metabolic, but from a mental health perspective is one of the most powerful things that are, that our whole country needs. It's crazy. I agree. I, I meant to that. Yeah. And when you think about it, if you could regulate your glucose and insulin, you're going to have better mood and decision-making because when you're not, when you're a sugar burner, you're going to be on this blood sugar roller coaster, and you're not going to be able to focus and make right decisions. So it could only help to achieve metabolic flexibility 
when you're spiking insulin all the time. I mean, Dr. Benjamin Bickman, have you had him on your show yet? No. Oh, he, I'll make the connection. He would be terrific. You guys would jam out together. No. So he has a book, Why We Get Sick. And he is probably the master of really studying insulin and how insulin is the bully of the block and how it's related to cancer and heart disease and all the, and of course, diabetes, insulin resistance, but all these conditions because we're spiking insulin, which is pro-inflammatory, which gets to the brain as well. So everything that we talk about is a line. And not to mention this, when you are a sugar burner, you have to eat every two to three hours to feel good. Well, what does that do to your microbiome? Brendan, what does it do when you're putting food down your digestive tract every two to three hours? You're, you're creating this, you're just overly exhausting your microbiome. And it takes about 14 to 16 hours to process a meal. I remember interviewing Dr. Zach Bush, and he was sharing that with me, and I couldn't believe it. He shared a study from the University of Virginia, and they took these college students. So the younger you are, the faster your digestion, typically. So they were college students. And they fed them 800 calories of a standard American diet, which was pizza. And then they tracked how long it took for that meal to just enter the small intestine, not even fully process out the colon, but enter the small intestine. And it took 14 hours. So if you're eating every two to three hours, every six hours, you're creating this backlog and it's creating inflammation in the gut. We have the gut-brain axis you talk about all the time. It's leading to inflammation in the brain, which leads to autoimmune disease potentially, heart, uh, heartburn, uh, GERD, bloating, and then things like maybe SIBO. So yeah, there's so many problems with being a sugar burner and it's not just the fact that we want to achieve metabolic flexibility, it's just that it's going to lead to a whole host of other problems. Absolutely. I love me some Zach Bush, big fan, big fan. And yeah. um, you know, you're so right where, I mean, the because there's more the metabolic pathways of just good old fashioned energy metabolism. And that's, that's huge in itself. But as you're getting at, you know, the microbiome or then non-alcoholic fatty liver and, and all these kind of secondary and tertiary sort of, um, you know, unwanted side effects. And that's where I always, well, I'm not joking about it, but I call it like the standard American metabolism, right. You know, insulin resistant and hyperglycemic and, you know, adrenal, dysfunction and subclinical hypothyroid and non-alcoholic fatty liver dysbiosis leaky gut like it's just it's the standard american milieu the standard american metabolism and and as you're saying like as far as the gut brain axis where yeah your your gut is not designed to have stuff going through it all the time let alone high sugar high processed high chemical high hormone you know high, 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 totally totally it's just it's not it's not ideal at all where, you know, the sugar and then, you know, a lot of the, the omega-6 and saturated fats and it transports LPS across the lumen. It's just, it's just a shit show really. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like giving that microbiome and, and gut a break is, is one of the best things because it does, it gets clogged up and a lot of um, bacterial overgrowth and fungal overgrowth and it creates immunosuppression. So yeah, I mean, this, you know, high glucose and high processed food and just standard American diet, it destroys your metabolic machinery. It destroys your mitochondrial function. It destroys your um, gut and microbiome. <laughs> you know, your liver gets all jammed up, clogged up your body. You know, these people, um, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody or making fun. It's just, we have to illustrate the, the problem here where then too, what happens with all that excess 
glucose, you know, it gets packed away as palmitic acid, which is super inflammatory. So I look at these people and in my head, I think, oh my gosh, like, it's like, I, I think of it as they're walking around with all these extra pounds of like highly flammable, like gunpowder. And then it's like, all it takes is a little spark. And that whole thing is just going to go up in flames, you know, a little tick bite, you got a little Borrelia or a little mold exposure or, or, or you know, like a virus floating around. It's a great analogy. Yeah, it's totally. Yeah. And not to mention that the more body fat you have, the less mitochondria you have, the less mitochondria you have, the higher your chances of developing cancer, right? Dr. Nisha Winters talks about that. Mm. I, I love the analogy of people are walking around with gunpowder in their body and it just takes one thing to help that stress bucket overflow and then boom. And you're right. It, it could even be, oh my gosh, we're going through a pandemic and uh, I'm worried about losing my job. Boom. They all, all of a sudden develop autoimmune disease or some sort of condition. So we want to get rid of that gunpowder or limit, uh, reduce that gunpowder so we're more resilient because let's face it, everybody has a plan until life punches you in the face. There's always going to be a challenge, but if you have that stress bucket low, the gunpowder is low, then that won't turn into something serious. So what we're talking about here goes back to the Einstein quote, intellectuals solve problems, geniuses prevent them. Oh, God, I love that quote. I'm going to have to like look that one <laughs> up and write it on my wall or something. I, I really like one. You know, I always... Well, actually, I guess it's written right there, but you know, the whole, like, I believe the best treatment is prevention and, you know, Grace Most Falls teach people how not to need it. I was doing a um, Facebook live in one of my Facebook groups last night about, about Lyme and Lyme recovery. And uh, a lady asked me, she's like, well, so realistically, how long does it take to recover from Lyme? And I'm like, <laughs> like you know, how do I answer that? And so I was starting to kind of sing the tune of like, well, it depends on what you're starting with. Like if, if you're starting with a really solid foundation of metabolic health and flexibility, you're going to recover better, faster, period. Whereas like if you're starting with a cracked foundation with the standard American metabolism stuff, like I don't know, like you're in for a long, hard road because it's like, how do you how do you rebuild a broken foundation during a crisis? Right. Like you're, you're so busy trying to deal with the crisis that it's like, okay, let me now reverse engineer and undo, you know, years or decades of damage. And what kills me is like, I, I mean, people need to take ownership and they need to stop being so damn reactive and fragile ego syndrome of like, oh, well, you're pointing me out as if it's my fault. And it's like, well, I'm not saying it's your fault. There is a more complicated conversation of accessibility public health education, so on and so forth. But maybe instead of projecting your triggered emotions on people that are trying to educate and empower you, you know, at what point are you going to take some ownership of, of your situation? Because like, you know what, you'll appreciate this because people get so offended. And it's like, you know, when a lion is taking down a gazelle and ripping its throat out, do you think it it stops when the gazelle chokes out of, of its blood drowning? And it's like, I'm offended. <laughs> yes. No, the lion's just going to rip its throat out, have a meal, move on with life. And that's nature is metal. That's, that's the cold, harsh reality of life. And so I'm just so sick of this victim mentality, cancel culture bullshit where, you know, like you can't say anything that's like you or implying anything. And it's just like, you know what, you're, you're the people that are going to be sick and stay sick because yeah. you're, you're trying to deflect and like, Oh, it's, it's not my fault. 
It's like, at what point do you start taking ownership of your life? You know, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul, right? Amen, brother. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. This, this, it's, it's now more than ever, we need the message of taking ownership and responsibility because if you're going to follow mainstream media and the government, they're going to tell you that it's not your fault and we're here to help you and here, you know, just follow these things that we're going to do for you. And, and it's not the way that we thrive. It's, it's really setting yourself up for failure, not just with your health, but financially with your relationships. And I'm tired of the cancel culture as well. That's why when somebody goes and they speak boldly like you do, then I admire that. And you're going to take some arrows for it, but those people are not your people. They're not my people. And you always say your vibe attracts your tribe. So we're going to attract the people we want to attract. So I'm personally thankful, you know, this is not a political conversation, but I'm thankful to live in Florida where people are becoming more empowered and we're, keep, we're having our freedom and we're understanding that we are responsible. We can make the decisions. If you want to wear a mask, we wear a mask. If you want to get a vaccine, we get a vaccine. But it's our responsibility and decision to make that decision. We're not just putting it into the hands of somebody else. And that's very important. We don't want to put our health into the hands of somebody else. You want to make an educated, critical decision because that is literally life or death. Making these decisions right now, whether you're going to get a vaccine, whether you're going to keep the mask on for extended periods of time, these are life and death situations. And I see it playing out and there's and it's creating a divide and the goal is not to create a divide we need to actually come together if you don't want to get a vaccine i support you if you want to get a, ma a vaccine i support you if you want to wear a mask vice versa like i support you i'm not going to hate you because of your decision i hope it's an educated decision but i love you either way i have friends and family who have completely different viewpoints than i do and i love them either way it's when we have this divide this hate that is being fueled by the mainstream media. It's being fueled by the government. That's the problem right there. But we need to come together and support each other because right now, more than ever, we're seeing the biggest divide out there. There's nothing in between. There's just you're either this way or that way. We need to figure out, hey, maybe the truth is in the middle. Let's come together and explore that. Absolutely. Amen. And, you know, it's it's the... The, uh, the antidote to polarization and uh, division is, is unity and, and symbiosis. And, you know, the, the... Hey, Functional Friends, I'm sure you're enjoying the episode and hopefully you're feeling inspired and motivated and maybe your brain is hurting a little bit or maybe the gears are turning on all the, the new knowledge nuggets that you can implement into your day-to-day -day life or your functional health practice. So keep in mind that self-healing does not mean you try to figure everything out on your own. Something that I see emerging more and more on social media is everybody's trying to figure it all out on their own and navigate their healing journeys alone. I really don't recommend that. So certainly when my car and my Jeep is making funny sounds, I don't try to fix it myself. I'm not an auto mechanic. I am going to take ownership of the situation. I am going to do my amateur research, ask around, get quotes, take it to an expert auto mechanic that I trust. So self-healing is all about being ready, willing, and able to take ownership of your health in your situation and ready, willing, and able to do what it takes to transcend your health struggles and actually heal. But that doesn't mean that you should try to figure it out all on your own. So of course, you should absolutely be working proactively with your primary care physician to make sure that your conventional medical needs are being met. With that said, of course, conventional healthcare has its limitations, in which case you might want to consider working one-on-one -on -one with a functional medicine provider and or functional health coach. And of course, I am happy to consider working with you myself 
you can apply to be a client of mine and my team by emailing info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show. The the weird thing, and I think this is where the cognitive dissonance caused by this virtual matrix world that we're basically being pushed into, you know, where the government is regulating social media now and you know what we used to be a free platform of anything goes and this is the virtual world we all connect in to share ideas whatever that looks like um now there's a controlled narrative there's a controlled agenda uh and and my point being i I think the the virtual nature of our society and culture is causing a lot more cognitive distance because if you actually have like two people face to face whether it's on zoom or in person people don't behave that way they're usually more rational. They're more soft-spoken. They're more reasonable. Um, but man, this this virtual divisiveness and the cancel culture thing is insane because like imagine if all those people, whoever those people are, if they all went to create their own commune, like imagine that nothing would get done because you have like whoever the leader is like, um, hey guys, I think we need to like build some shelter and find some food. Otherwise we're going to like starve and die. And then everybody freaks out. Did you just refer to all of us as guys? Did you, you're assuming that you're projecting your, and it's just like, they would get nothing done and they would all yeah. just starve out. <laughs> so funny. It's so true. And sad at the same time. Yeah, you're so right. That's not the answer. You know what's a shame, Brendan, is that it's like, if you're not wearing a mask and you're not getting the vaccine, you're not doing your part as a human. I, I, I was in Utah last year, last month. I was speaking at a conference and I'm in my Uber and it's going through the highway and I see signs that show, want to go back to your barbecues and birthday parties, do your part and get your vaccine. I'm like, what propaganda is that? And I see commercials on TV. I don't watch too much TV, but when I see a commercial, did you do your part? There's billboards. Did you do your part? You know, be a good human and wear your mask, do your part. It's this propaganda and push that is so dangerous because if you're not conscious, that's going to subconsciously go into you and you're going to follow through with that. So we have to wake people up and it might offend some people, but when you're aware, you can make a better decision. Absolutely. Well, and they're spending what, like $1.5 billion on vaccine propaganda to, to push this agenda. And it's like, what else could we do with $1.5 billion or like the infinite debt, the perpetual infinite debt that the country is in? I What I don't get I really don't get this. I'm not an economy person, but I look at it as like, I feel like getting out of chronic disease as a collective, as a nation, that seems like a really good, because like the, the economic burden of chronic disease is staggering. And obviously the, the pharmaceutical industry is making trillions off of it, but it's like, but to get the country out of debt, like, you know, and Zach Bush does a great job talking about you know, the, the regenerative agriculture. And if we just reduce the economic burden of chronic disease, you know, and the thing is everybody has, everybody's looking outwards for the answers rather than looking inwards, because if they actually like look inwards and and use some critical thinking and listen to their intuition and also the biofeedback that their body is screaming at them, 
You know, do you, do you think pop tarts and, and, you know, McDonald's is what your body wants? Like, no, it, it wants that real raw food from the earth. We need to get back to that, that primal. It's, it's that return to uh, our more primal ways in a, in a modern world. So it's everything you're talking about with, you know, ketosis being why we're even still alive today or all the research on, you know, autophagy and all of that <laughs> benefits as well. So, you know, some people want to cry that, and, and don't get me wrong, I think functional medicine isn't very functional and nobody can afford it. And I joke about that a lot, but I don't, I really don't think that, you know, you have to be quote unquote wealthy to be healthy. I really don't. Now, I am disturbed and disgusted with how like health is becoming the new wealth. And there is this very like elitist sort of who can afford the Lulu and organic food. And that's a bunch of bullshit. But the reality that and I think this is an important message for everybody. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status or your, your educational status. Like you have everything within you to become healthy. You know, you don't have to shop at freaking Whole Foods that's owned by Amazon that charges $8 for a pack of brown eggs, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and I think if more people had their own hens, you know what I mean? So I'm just going yeah. on a rant, but I know. No, I agree with you. Yeah, A lot of the things that these ancient healing strategies are, are free. Fasting is free. Fasting to get you in ketosis, that's free. Sleep is free. Uh, gratitude journaling is free. Walking around and exercising is free. So you, it doesn't have to take money to get healthy. These are free things we can do. And I can go on and on and on. Of course, we all have different financial statuses and situations. And it's probably going to be easier for one person to get cleaner foods versus the other person. And I always say, because I, I get a lot of that on my videos, I'm always speaking about you know organic, grass-fed, grass-finished, stay away from pesticides and herbicides. And they're telling me, yeah, it's easy for you to say, I don't have the financial means. My answer is always the same. I say, follow those free principles, the fasting, the sleeping, the gratitude, journaling, and self-love, and then just do the best you can with your resources. But the cool thing about fasting, when you adopt that as a lifestyle, you save money. And then you could take that money you save and, it, and apply it to healthier, more organic foods. I actually did the math because I always get asked the question, I, this topic always comes up. So when I'm giving lectures, I'm like, did you know if you fast, just skip breakfast. Let's say you spend $15 on breakfast every morning, Monday through Friday. If you skipped breakfast Monday through Friday and you practice fasting, you would get back $3,900 a year and four, uh, 5.4 days back, right? So you get time and money back with the free protocol fasting. So it can be done. It's just a victim mentality that yeah. says, you don't have the resource. I don't have the resources you have and yada, yada, yada. Do the best you can and follow those free principles and you'll get healthy. Absolutely. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're, you know, cause we, we can talk about the molecular science of ketosis or gut brain or, or any of that, but and that's part, part of the problem that I see these days with social media, I, I think there are a lot of, you know, quote unquote self healers or people trying to get healthier, whatever, whatever, you know, they identify as I suppose. But um, I think in a lot of ways there is this subconscious where they're consuming all the free content from all the different people, all the influencers. And rather than focusing on integrating and implementing the fundamental principles that we're all saying in common, instead, they're cherry picking the, the molecular details that we personally like to focus on. 
and getting confused with that. And, you know, well, what, what lab test do I run and what protocol or how do I biohack that? Or, well, and then they cry when they don't have enough money to afford those things. And it's like, well, but as you're saying, like, I, I wonder if like, you know, are, are more people going to start, I don't know, like moving out to the country and rural to be closer to nature, to, to get away from the toxic cities that like, I don't know why, why you know, uh, the, the toxic culture, the toxic cities, the, the, the food deserts. Right. And it's like, you know, nothing's stopping you from going and buying an acre of green old land, you know, here in Kansas, there's a lot of it. Um, but don't, don't overpopulate my state people. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? And, and I was joking with the biohacker babes and, and, uh, keep your plants on girl. Um, keep your plants on. I haven't heard that before. Oh, she's great. Um, I, Lindsay, uh, something like she's, she's so great. Like she's definitely one of our, you know, little, cool. I like the name. Yeah. Functional friends circle for sure. Oh. She's, she's hella cool. But I was telling her, you know, I dream of, I have this sort of vision. I, I keep saying this phrase of like a return to symbiosis. And I don't know what that means or what that looks like yet, but I almost picture like the movie Avatar where we return to a more primal way of living, but that's still integrated with modern technology. Like instead of Wi-Fi and wires, we find a way to tap into the, the fungal hyphal networks of the ground and the carbon system. And you know what I mean? And I think it's coming and I really hoped and thought that the 2020 crisis that is now bleeding into all of 2021 so far, I really thought this would be the thing, right? That, that starts waking people up and moves people towards more of an awakening and, and unity. But, and, and I can't figure out, and this is how they get us is we're also disconnected and isolated is, is that happening? Because we the only perspective any of us get or when we plug into the matrix and then the narrative on the matrix is very regulated and controlled mm -hmm. so it's just like i have no idea anymore you know i don't think anybody does we're all just like which way is up what's happening yeah now more than ever that's why it's so important to critically think and uh make an intelligent decision as you know with all aspects right now and go a little bit further than what's being presented on social media like you said even from you and i like brendan and i don't believe what we say, like do the research, see if there's some science to back it up and then apply it. And if it's working for you, then continue doing it. If it doesn't work, then, then don't do it. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. This is, you know, it, it, what a dynamic conversation going from, you know, the, the mitochondrial energy pathways of ketones and glucose versus uh, kind of a collective consciousness sort of rant. But, you know, I think these are, the kinds of conversations that matter. I think these are the kinds of conversations that need to not be canceled um, and like censored. Cause you know, I just, Alan Watts back in like the sixties was saying this, you know, he was saying how we're all getting crazy and self-destructive and we're so tied up in our minds that we've lost our senses. And here we are, you know, like 40, 60 years later and it's just getting like worse. Yeah. Um, you know, he saw that with the American culture back then. And that was, that was before like the apex. And, and I feel like we're hitting this crest of like, if we don't get our shit together as a collective and Zach Bush talks about this a lot and it's, it's not just Zach Bush, but there are scientists out there that are literally debating how likely it is that the human species goes extinct because of our own accord within a hundred years. Scary thought, man. Very scary thought. 
like the fact that scientists are even debating that, like, mm, do you think it's going to be a hundred years? Maybe 150, a hundred. Yeah. The fact that that's even being debated at all tells us like we have screwed up big time. We messed up. But then meanwhile, it's like, you know, there's, there's conspiracy theory kind of stuff about, you know, civil war breaking out and stuff. And it's like, really like unity, love, like those are the solutions. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. So that's why this conversation is so important. Yeah, we didn't know where it was going to get to, but we got to an important topic because right now in 2021, we need to have more conversations like this. We need to come together and we need to spread the love <laughs> more than ever. The hate and the fear. I don't live in that world. Like I really don't. Sometimes my fiance will, will dabble in that world and I'm like, hey, we don't live in that world of hate and fear. We live in the world of abundance and love. Uh, so I, I refuse to live in that other world. I've been there and it's an ugly world and too many people are in that world. So you could choose. You could choose your reality. You really can. You could choose the people you associate with. You could choose the the, the news you want to watch or the, the information you're getting. And based off of that, will determine whether you live in the world of fear and hate and scarcity or the other world of love, abundance, and gratitude. And I'm going to be on that love, abundance, and gratitude world. I know you are as well. We're there and we're staying there. And that's our message today and every day. Absolutely. Well, and, and I'm so, dude, I'm, I'm so amazingly grateful for you. Cause like, honestly, which first of all, maybe I just need to move to Florida. Cause like, you know, we're just such kindred spirits and, and, you know, it's, it's refreshing, right? Cause you know, here we are, like, we're, we're playing the game of professional, you know, like, oh, you know, let, let's play professional for a minute. And that, you know, it's a very Alan Watts thing. Like, we call it work, but it's really just play. We're playing in the sandbox of this reality while we're here. And so that's kind of the greater question is, while everybody's caught up in masks or shots or, you know, this diet or that diet and, and all the squabbling and victim mentality, it kind of comes down to that. Like, I think I don't like, I swear I'm not a super cynical person or anything like that. I, I think I flirt with it sometimes, but it's one of those when you really zoom out and you look at just the rare, precious phenomena that is life itself. And you look at the fact that we are very much on trajectory for a, a point of no return, a waterfall that is the end of life as, as we know it as a collective. When you put, put that in perspective, it kind of erodes the validity of all this bullshit going on currently. It's so circumstantial and it's so petty compared to a much greater threat that we are all facing. And that does not care about your political affiliation. It doesn't care about your perspective on a virus, which how politics influences virology, I still don't understand. Um, and so it, it comes down to like, you know what? None of us are making it out alive. And we're currently as a collective headed for that waterfall. So how do you want to show up in this world? How do you want to show up for yourself? How do you want to show up for your loved ones? You know, and, and that's something I think everybody has to answer for themselves. Powerful, brother. I love it. Powerful. So when's your wedding? <laughs> uh, we're aiming for October of next year, 2022, probably in Florida, because Florida seems to be the place. Yeah. The, the real estate here in Florida, unlike anything I've ever seen before, and I've lived here my entire life, 36 years, never seen so many people moving here like today, uh, especially in Miami, but in Florida as general. Everybody's coming to Florida because 
Florida has no mask restrictions. There's no uh, mandates for vaccines. It's, it's freedom to choose, right? So a lot of people want that. And everybody's coming here, man. They're leaving these states that are locked down and radical and they're coming over here. So we're probably going to get married here in Florida. Um, we were just actually in Tulum this past, just a few days ago, this past weekend. And we're like, man, it would be pretty nice to get married in Tulum. It was beautiful over there. We stayed at a beautiful villa. But, you know, going back to the conversation I just shared about fear versus um, love, my girlfriend was, my fiance was worried about going to Mexico because her mom was putting some, some fearful thoughts in her head. You know, the cases are up in Mexico and I don't want you to travel there. And if you travel there, then I can't see you for like two weeks until you come back, even though she's, her mom's vaccinated. But um, so I'm like, Natasia, we don't live in that world of fear. Like we're going to be fine. We take care of our health. We, we have things we can take with us. We could take collodial silver. We could take vitamin D. We could take uh, some different products and we could stay away from sugar and vegetable oils and we'll be totally fine. We don't live in that world of fear. And we went there, we enjoyed ourselves. It was like a dream and we came back and we're, we're functioning normal, right? That's a perfect example of choosing and expecting good things, not expecting fear because you get what you expect. I want to share real quick, Brendan, there's a story in uh, the Bible, and this is not a political share, but there's a story in the, uh, not, this is not a religious share, excuse me. There's a story in the Bible about Moses and Moses had his followers, his follower. He was leading his followers. He wanted to lead his followers into new land, but in order to get them to that new land, he wanted to change their consciousness. So they're in the desert and he has a group of these followers. There's no food in sight, no water in sight. And his followers are getting worried. And they walk up to Moses and they say, Moses, we're going to die out here, man. There's no food. There's no water. Can you get us to safety? Can you get us to some food, to a new town? And Moses looks at them and says, okay, I want you to go and pray to your God for rain so we could collect that rainwater and we could hydrate ourselves. So they go and his followers, they pray, they pray for rain. Hours later, there's no rain in sight. There's no land in sight. There's no food in sight. So they walk back to Moses and they say, Moses, God has forsaken us. We're going to die out here in the desert. What are we going to do? So Moses looks back at his followers and he kind of looks around and browse, looks around. And he says, Moses says, where are the ditches? And they look back at Moses and say, what do you mean ditches? And Moses says, well, if you expected rain, you would have dug the ditches to collect that rainwater, right? So expectation is where it's at. Are you expecting bad things to happen to you? Guess what? The universe will fulfill that order. Or are you expecting health? Are you expecting abundance? Are you expecting prosperity? Well, the universe will fulfill that order. So whenever you find yourself fearful, think about the Moses story and then expect a different outcome. And guess what? You'll get that outcome just like I did in Mexico. Uh, that's powerful, man. It's, it's, you know, the, the frequency of quantum manifestation, which that, that's some, uh, that's the kind of stuff I live for, like that kind of yeah. mi mind bending sort of stuff. You know, you really have to tap out of your ego and, and really start kind of going down that rabbit hole, but it's, it's very powerful. You know, we do manifest our reality uh, one way or another. So dude, Tell us, you know, and then, and then we're at, where, where can we get this book? Well, we all want the book. We want it, you know, <laughs> autographed and everything. Where, where, where do we, uh, we followers get, get your book, man? Yeah. Thank you for today, man. I love what you're doing, Brendan. I can't wait to give you a 30 second plus hug when I see yeah. you in person eventually. Yeah. yeah. See who lets go first. It won't be me. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you're stronger than me, so that's not probably work. Um, the book can be found uh, over at ketoflexbook.com. That goes directly to the Amazon page. It's available right now on Kindle and on paperback. And uh, eventually, in the next 30 to 60 days, it'll be available on Audible. I'm reading it myself. It's quite the process. <laughs> you're writing your book, right? I am. I'm working you, on it. Are you going to be doing the audio, audio version of it yourself? That, that's the plan, right? Now. I'm okay. just trying to keep up with my... Uh, workload like uh, let me find time to write a book okay but yeah we're, we'll get there the world needs your book yeah. yeah uh but recording the audio is a beast so much respect to all the authors out there have who have recorded their own audiobook it is not a fun process i'm 31 pages down and it's i have 240 something pages to go <laughs> anyways ketoflexbook.com i'd love for you to get it and support it and uh yeah you can look me up on any social media platform just type in my name ben azadi Listen to the Keto Camp podcast. Brendan was on there. He's actually coming back on very soon as well. So Keto Camp podcast on any podcast platform. Awesome, man. I'll be sure to include all the links and everything. But dude, freaking love you. Really, really do mean that. I can't wait till we hang out. We, we will make it happen, but just kind of surfing, the, surfing these waves right now. So uh, I can't wait to meet your bride, your wife-to-be. I actually wrote her name in my uh, phone notes so that I don't forget it. And I can, you know, so I, I'm extra that way. But, I love that, man. Um, you know, give her my best. And uh, I can't wait to meet her and, and hang out with you all down in, in the free land down in Florida. Well, anytime, brother. Can't wait to see you. And thank you for today. Of course. Thank you. I'll look forward to the next one uh, here in like a week or two. That's right. Yeah. All right, man. Have a beautiful rest of your day, my friend. You too, Brendan. All right. See ya. See ya,